Armor. Welcome to the Inner Armor podcast with Dr. Timothy Royer, where we explore ways to train our brains and bodies to become dynamically resilient so that we can all, from professional athletes to ordinary people, perform at our potential. Well, Doc, we're continuing our patio discussions here, and uh, the lawnmower has gone away, at least for the moment, until another neighbor maybe decides to mow, but it's nice and quiet and beautiful sitting outside, and we've been having a lot of great conversations about the mental health tsunami that Mm -hmm. we are being crushed by in the United States, where one out of every five adults becomes diagnosed with a mental health disorder, almost the same number of youth under 17 or younger. And the problem has grown by 40% in 20 years. And as we've said, that's that's an epidemic. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to talk about now is a little bit of a vision that you have formed and we've all gotten excited about on your team about how to maybe respond. And we're kind of calling it a modest proposal Mm -hmm. to mitigate the mental health tsunami because there's there's no magic bullets. There's no mm-hmm. one thing. And we don't want to overpromise and underdeliver and say we have this one magic thing that's going to fix all of the country's problems. But we have a vision for something that can help. And it can be part of the multifaceted approach, the sort of all hands on deck approach that America needs to take to this. And so we, we kind of un, want to unveil that vision a little bit in this episode and talk a little bit about what it is, what we imagine, and maybe a little bit of what we're working on to try to bring it to life, okay? So you're the visionary. Cast a little okay. bit of vision for us. Yeah, so I think as we cast that vision, we want to just kind of uh, review a couple things here is that I've been doing this for a long time, 30 years, and have tried a lot of different ways to address clinically anxiety and depression, and not just for a particular caseload, you know, not I carry 25 clients as, and I'm a, let's say I'm a therapist and those are the only 25 that I'm really concerned about. For me, I, I'm thinking of the entire country, the world, and this major epidemic of anxiety and depression and trying to take what I've seen work and that what I've seen that's been very successful and has improved these things and created more resilient people and try to apply that at a global level, one that is scalable and one that is sustainable. And that's really led us to look at developing this nonprofit that is really geared towards how do we scale this out? How do we go out and find other leaders, other people that want to kind of join our army to attack this anxiety and depression, not just let it overtake us and burn our villages and our homes, but to really take up arms and go after this thing and find people who they've had their own experiences, right? You don't have to look very far before somebody has a story about a child or a spouse or a parent with depression, anxiety, PTSD, substance abuse. I mean, you probably only have to look a couple people away from you to find that. I mean, people are living in the trenches with these things. And we want to find the 
people that are serious about let's attack this thing. Let's go after this. And we feel like we have a model that's not going to answer everything, but that it's going to start to put a dent in this thing. So we're, we've increased 40% in these in mental illness in the last 20 years. What would happen if we could decrease in 5% over the next 10 years? That's a win for us. That's a big win. Because if we keep going in this direction, over half the people in the United States are going to have a mental illness. And we have, as we talked about in the last episode, the resources already aren't even close to managing this. Plus, they're not really solving it. And so I would almost, we talked about kind of the title of the book where, you know, the tsunami of mental illness and one of our colleagues has said, we should just cross out mental illness and we should put autonomic nervous system dysregulation. Because as we've talked about the last couple episodes is the way that we address this, and this is key to where our vision and passion is, is to stop just looking at downstream the behaviors and the emotions, but we have to aggressively Go to upstream to the heart of the matter here, which is a dysregulated autonomic nervous system. The reason meds sometimes work for a period of time is they do chemically alter the autonomic nervous system. If I can't sleep and I take an Ambien, okay, that decreases the speed of my autonomic nervous system so I can sleep. However, that's not going to fix it over time. Underneath the surface is still this revved up system that has an autonomic nervous system stuck in a sympathetic state. And so that's not going to solve it. You're going to have to use more and more because you're going to get tolerant. Then you're going to address other things like memory problems and those things that are going to come from this thing. So we, we can't just be thinking synthetic chemical is the only way I can move the autonomic nervous system. We are way more complex than that. We're way more beautiful than that, okay? We're stuck in a system that seeing all the people as like commodities, you know, they're just like these, these entities. If you get anxiety, well, you get stuck in the anxiety bucket. If you get depression, you're stuck in the depression. If you have ADHD, you're stuck in that bucket with a few million people, right? But we're not commodities. We are creations. We are unique, fearfully, wonderfully made we were knit together in a special way. There will never be another person like you on this planet, right? And so until we stop looking at everybody like in these big boxes and start to realize, wait a minute, we have the ability to learn, to create, to change. Can we leverage that? Not just externally sprinkle some chemical on you and make some alteration that you sort of feel a certain way. But can we literally change? If you can learn physics, you can learn to focus, okay? If you can learn to do complex calculus, you can learn to sleep. We can learn these things. And that's really what, in our, behind our proposal, is this understanding that we are amazing creatures and that our brain is the most amazing thing on the planet and the best thing for the brain to heal it is itself, not a pill. And so that's kind of at the core in our philosophy of this. So we're calling this autonomic priming, Mm -hmm. which is, as you say, priming the autonomic nervous system so that if we strengthen it, answer, 
autonomic nervous system regulation. We strengthen it through training. We become more resilient. Yes. Which means that we're going to have fewer of those downstream behaviors, fewer of these mental health disorders that are manifesting downstream. And if we do have one, it's going to be less severe. So we've, in the last episode, we were talking about getting into a counselor or into a, a psychologist. You might have said, hey, it would take eight or 10 or 12 visits to address an issue. Now, if my autonomic nervous system is stronger and I'm more resilient, I may not need to go to a counselor at all. Mm -hmm. But if I do, it might only be two or three sessions. And because the problem isn't as severe. So what we're really talking about is preventative care. So we've, we made this shift because of managed care and insurance years ago, and just because of common sense with things like heart disease or diabetes, you go into the doctor and he goes, man, you know, you just we weigh you and we're going to look at this and that. You, know, you may have some, some, you know, probabilities of developing heart disease later on or diabetes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put you on a recommended diet program. Right. I'm going to recommend a structured exercise program so that... If you, so that you never get there. What we're saying is if we could bring that preventative care strategy to autonomic nervous system regulation. So what we say is we're going to just in the same way we would with diet or exercise, we're going to, we're going to recommend a structured medical grade monitored program of strengthening the autonomic nervous system before you develop a problem. We produce more resilient people, right? Absolutely. The, the challenge is we know how to do that and we've proven that we can do that through inner armor. You've developed the technology, the system. I mean, it's medical grade technology. It's medical grade protocols and monitoring. This isn't just like a you know, mindfulness app or a breathing program. This is, a, this is a medical grade medical protocol to do this. The problem is, is that most people don't have access to it. Because in our last episode, we talked about the person who says, I'm struggling with stuff and I have either from the HR department, I can call this counselor or this chat bot, or I can go see my primary care physician. We've got something, but the problem is, is that most people aren't going to be able to get at it because it's not covered by insurance. So unless we can deploy it through like a university system mm -hmm. or your company or you're a professional athlete, some of the kind of clients we work with. And you know, we had a, a sort of a company meeting and you kind of shared this vision and said, you know, what if we made this available to vulnerable populations, mm -hmm. vulnerable people, and we made it available to them free of charge as a nonprofit? And that like, we all remember sitting in the room going, oh my gosh, this was like this huge epiphany, this like moment where we said, this is what we need to do. So we started talking about schools because as you've said, and all the data shows that if you develop a mental health disorder before the age of, I think it was like 16, 14 or something like that, you have a 50% greater likelihood of developing a serious mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. And if you developed it once or twice, by the time you're 24 years old, you're probably going to be saddled with this for life. So starting kids early, strengthening them, just as... Like when I was a kid, you know, you had the presidential physical fitness yeah, thing, you know, exactly. you had to do all this. So the same thing, like let's teach kids to have, let's train kids to have resilient nervous systems. And then, the, then we started thinking all the other kind of vulnerable populations, group homes, 
substance abuse rescue center, jails yeah. to help people who are trying to strengthen themselves so that they can rehabilitate and not relapse again. Talk about your or vision. even at work. I mean, at like work? companies. Yeah, companies. So, so unpack that. I've been talking, but I want you to talk. Unpack all the different ways that you think we might be able to deploy this in a nonprofit fashion. Yeah. So this isn't just an idea. This is something that we've lived and breathed for a couple decades now. Like we're sitting here on this patio in Granville and within a two mile radius of here, three miles, there are four or five elementary schools, public schools that their first, second, third, fourth grade vulnerable kids, so the, the ones who are having the most difficult problems, the ones who are probably going to go on to be those ones before age 14 that are going to have a mental illness, who then are going to have lifetime issues, those kids, just within arm's reach of here, are doing autonomic nervous system regulation and priming at school a couple three times a week, 10-minute sessions. These have to be bite-sized pieces. We can't say everybody goes and does a 50-minute counseling session. What the heck is 50? What's so magical about 50 minutes? You know, like For those who have not seen it, describe exactly it, it, what it is that those kids are doing. Yeah, so these kids are coming in. And first of all, this social worker, you guys got to listen to the podcast from a few weeks ago from Elizabeth Petty. She's been doing this for 25 years and said, I got to find a better way because this is not, we're not cracking the, the system, which we've been talking about that at a macro level. She's lived it and breathed it. And she says, what, what makes the difference is changing the autonomic nervous system. So she wrote a small grant, which has now been going on for four years. And what she's doing is that one, educating the whole school about how different things they can do to regulate. So an educational situations, talks, and different things like that. And then in small groups, they work with the students. But then the vulnerable ones, they come and see her, and they come in, and it's not talk therapy. They sit down in a computer, and they put a breathing belt on, and they put a, a monitor on their finger that's measuring inner beat interval of their heart, which is related to coherence that we've talked about. And they start to see on the screen what their body's doing. And Elizabeth is able to coach them like, let's change how you're taking in oxygen because you're breathing in such a way that you're being, you're being chased by a lion, which is setting your system up to think it's in crisis all the time. Now, there may be real situations that have caused them to breathe that way, but we have to unlearn those. So she, they can see on, their, on the screen their belly moving in and out, their exchange of carbon dioxide and oxygen. And then they can see how it impacts their heart. And so we do this, you know, age-appropriate kind of fun things on the computer that they can kind of see this like a wave on the ocean that goes up and down. But we start to teach them to regulate their breath, to get to six to eight breaths a minute, to have really good symmetry in their breath, to have good amplitude, not just like mindfulness or an app, but they're literally like seeing this. Then they're able to see the change of their heart. And as their heart gets into a state called coherence, and they're able to regulate that coherence. And what we do is we take those biometrics and we interface it with something that they like. So they can go to Netflix, they can pick anything they want to watch, a cartoon, show, whatever. But the only way the video will stay clear is if they're breathing correctly, putting their autonomic nervous system in a balanced state, and if their heart 
is responding in a more calm focused state versus a distracted or stressed state. And so those biometrics are literally driving the computer right in front of them. And this is super advanced biofeedback, basically. But it becomes a level that they start to prime their autonomic nervous system to be able to get in this balanced state at will. And if you listen to Elizabeth's story, they had, uh, unfortunately, at one of these schools, they had a suspected shooter on campus. And this third grader, I think it was, who had all these issues, who's now learned to do this, they were, he was stuck on this bus where they had to lock the bus until they could figure out what was going on. And kids around him, panic attacks, crying, screaming. And he grabbed the hand of this fifth grader, I think it was, and said, do this breathing that I do. And they sat there and they did this breathing. And this child calmed right down and was able to regulate their autonomic nervous system. Was there a crisis outside? There was a real crisis, not an imagined one. But they were able to control the autonomic nervous system and develop its resilience, right? This is a a third grader. What's the ripple effect of that when we start to teach our kids to do that? You know, they might be able to breed and do math, but if they can't hold down a job because psychologically, and the odds are psychologically, they're they're gonna have a harder time doing that or having relationships. And we're not teaching them how to do anything. When we have a captive audience that with 10 minute sessions, two, three times a week, we can train them to become dynamically resilient to the stressors around them. So when we talk about deploying this into these kinds of vulnerable populations, schools, and all these other situations, I mean, we've been talking about the four horsemen of the mental health apocalypse, uh, anxiety, depression, PTSD, and substance abuse. I've done a lot of work in my career too with the rescue mission world or around the country where you have shelters for homeless and addicted and then they do such great work in terms of not only getting people off the street, but helping them to become sober, to regulate their lives, get GEDs, get vocational training and turn their lives around. But what kind of always is in the background casting a shadow is relapse. Right, You know, exactly. when people are going through recovery. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago about the sort of autonomic nervous system component that drives substance abuse and then can pull somebody back out of their recovery and relapse. So it seems like being able to make this kind of program available to people in those kinds of environments to say, this will strengthen you. Yes, you need to get a GED. Yes, you need to get vocational training. Yes, you need to learn life skills so that you can go out and turn your life around and be a, you know, have a productive life. But if you're out there and your ANS yes. is, is still not like wired, you're going to go out there and... and it's going to be something else. There's gonna, something else is going to come along. So, so we began to put our heads together and say, well, how would we do this, right? Because how would you deploy it to all of these kinds of environments? And that was... When you said we need to create a nonprofit foundation that would make the Inner Armor program available to these kinds of what we're calling vulnerable populations, it's great that the the San Francisco 49ers are using yes. it. It's great that you've got corporations using it. It's great that we've got some major universities and sports teams using it. But how do we get it into the hands of those people who are not going to be able to afford it? So talk about your vision for the nonprofit, for how that would work. Unpack that a little bit. Yeah. More. So, I mean, you mentioned the peak performance work. And what we're doing there is we're trying to 
raise the ceiling for people. Like, can I, where can I be? In the vulnerable groups, we're trying to have them break through the floor. Or, or strengthen the floor so yeah. they don't sort of crash through it. Right? Yeah, that they can come up above it. Like, yeah. like they're, they're not stuck below it, but which makes them incapable to work or stuck in a, yeah. a substance abuse problem the rest of their life. But get them, to get them in a functioning level, that's a win. That's a oh, major yeah. win. And I always talk about, you know, we all start at different points you know, in our capabilities, our potential. And what is the real game changer is the person that can move themselves, right? And so, you know, you have really gifted people who never move themselves. Well, that's nothing impressive. But you take the nonverbal autistic child that we work with, who's now verbal and is a young adult and working at the local ice cream shop. That's a win, man. That's a big win, right? So, we know we can move the autonomic nervous system. I can get a pro quarterback focusing better than his colleagues. I can get an autistic child who's severely anxious all the time moved up to where they're functioning better by regulating their autonomic nervous system. So why aren't we applying this in all kinds of situations? And so one of the big issues, two big issues are, you know, time when people think about therapy and that kind of stuff, because that's what they're We've kind of been ingrained in our mind that this takes an hour a week to do this. We've developed systems that are 10 minutes. You do 10 minutes three times a week. Now you've knocked out 30 minutes. And in a year, you've knocked out 26 hours of autonomic nervous system regulation training. Okay? I mean, you're killing it. And then because of technology and innovation, we don't need to put an $80,000 employee, $100,000, whatever. We don't need to put that person there and be constricted by, well, we just don't have enough social workers, right? What about if technology through those 10-minute sessions could lead you down the path of the matrix that we've talked about, where we develop all these levels of precision in you, all these developed uh, areas of power and all these levels of focus inside of you to an automated kiosk that just somebody that we've trained over a couple of weeks of training knows how to help the person troubleshoot when they hit different areas on the, on the matrix. Then we've created a model that now is also addressing, well, this can be scalable. It's just how many kiosks and how many people can you get to a kiosk? So we know now that one kiosk can typically manage about 40 people a week. So we go into we have a university we work with and they want us to work with 600 of their student athletes. And so for the last six years, we've developed these kiosks and we know how many kiosks do we need to do to provide 26 hours of autonomic nervous system regulation in a year to all 600. We had a period last year, a semester last year, where we ran 7,000 sessions, okay? Doc's not running 7,000 <laughs> sessions right. in four months, three right. months. We're not going to address the problem of the tsunami by doing 10 sessions with somebody in four months, right? We have to be thinking scalable, sustainable, no financial caps on this thing. And that's where if we get the right minds, the right motivated people behind this, and this nonprofit is a call to action to the person who's experienced firsthand or the persons who's smart enough to figure out our biggest problem right now 
is not that everybody needs to have a smartphone in their hand. Our biggest problem is people are emotionally distraught and they can't put one foot in front of the other. And how are we going to change that? Well, and those most vulnerable populations aren't going to get access. No. They, they aren't going to get access to the current system. You know, here's another one. Incarceration, right? So yeah. one of the biggest things that America struggles with is that we have a huge number of people incarcerated in America. Our jails and prisons and in certain communities, that's a huge, huge issue. And it's a revolving door. People going in, getting out, coming back in again. And part of it is, is that it is autonomic nervous system regulation, regulation. or dysregulation, right. which is not helped by the environment and the incarceration, right? In the jail or the prison, right? They're probably in sympathetic mode all the time there. They were in sympathetic mode and sympathetic overdrive outside, gets them inside, makes it worse. They get back out, they can't function and they're back again. So you know, this vision was, well, what if we could help those incarcerated Big populations, yeah. you know, but how would we do it? And that's where it came down to a nonprofit where we could raise money from donors and be able to create opportunities through grant funding, through other kinds of things to make this available at little or minimal cost to the schools, the jails, the recovery centers, the group homes for autistic kids, whatever the case may be. Talk a little bit about the organization that we're putting together, the nonprofit, and a little bit of how we hope to fund it. Yeah. And so we're not experts in all those areas. Okay. I'm not an expert in the jail system and I'm not an expert in the school system. I mean, I've worked in a lot of schools over the years. Somebody listening to this or just a couple degrees removed from this podcast that need to listen to this. We got to get this out there. And our listeners, if you know somebody, we got to get those people that know how to, if we put the tools in their hands, how to deploy those tools. Uh, the prison system is huge. I just, I don't have no, any expertise in that. But I do know that there are human beings in there that are creations, not commodities, that can change their autonomic nervous system and that dysregulation of their autonomic ner nervous system was the first upstream thing that happened that led to a cascade of poor decisions and ultimately poor behaviors. So recruitment is number one. It's just people that can like be part of the inner armor army that is saying, we're going after that. We need generals. We need foot soldiers. We need people who want to invest in attacking this thing, right? And the great thing is these kiosks is they're just limited by how many people can we get to them and so we're not like oh we got a prison system where we have to go in and address you know 3,000 inmates so we're gonna need 250 therapists okay that's gonna be three million dollars <laughs> you know like it doesn't work you know or we're gonna do this many psychiatry consults via webcam is that really going to solve the upstream problem here? No, but we can put something right in front of these individuals that they can go to and use and start to regulate their nervous system and internally control, just like this third grader on the bus was able to, in the middle of a suspected shooting, everybody's freaking out around him. He starts his autonomic nervous system training and he controls internally, just like the Navy SEAL we teach to be calm behind the rifle. 
the sniper, right? It's the same thing. How do I keep that under control? We teach that to the third grader. It changes our culture. We attack this thing head on. And so how do we get this out there is first just getting people who raise their hand and say, I want to be a part of this, whether that's you know, financially or through ideas or just promoting this information. It doesn't, doesn't matter, but we want to first collect the people who really want to get serious about going after this anxiety, depression, PTS, substance abuse that's ultimately going to dis- destroy the next generation. So if we, could, if we could put a resilience lab in your city rescue mission, if we could oh, put a resilience lab in your county jail, yeah. if we could put a resilience lab in an inner city school, we could put a resilience lab in an autistic group home or a halfway house. I mean, the, but to do that, we're going we're gonna to need, first of all, an organization, and we are forming an organization, and we actually have a name, and I think the name is inspiring. You want to share the name? Yeah, it's Inner Armor Hope. It's that hope that we believe that these creations, not commodities, can change. That we have the power to learn. We have, we have hope that we were created to create, right? Not created to just have synthetic substances pumped into us and to be commodities on an assembly line, right? To innovate and to change and to work ourselves out of these problems. Like We, we believe in that. Right. So inner armor hope is that hope that, that we know is out there. It's not a lost cause. And the reason why we know it's hope is we live it firsthand. I mean, there's a great study of 11,000 people that were just taught through technology how to change their breathing so that it would impact their heart. So this isn't just like a breathing app or mindfulness. This is technology through a kiosk that shows you what your heart and your breathing are doing and retraining that. 11,000 people. The decrease in depression over a 10-week span was greater than 50%. Decrease in anxiety, 48%. Improvement in sleep, 30%. Man, that's going to move the needle. That's just one phase of our nine-phase matrix. It's going to move the needle. But, and, and then you look at the sort of behavioral things that are attendant to those downstream conditions. So you look at, say, like impulse control. Right. Right. So what's the problem with someone who's going to relapse out of their substance abuse or recovery or relapse and end up back in jail? It's going to be poor impulse control, which is going to come from the anxiety, which is going to come downstream from the ANS, right? All these kinds of things. So how do we go upstream and create this? So Inner Armor Hope is an organization that we will be launching within the next year. Right. And we are looking for people who want to catch this vision and want to get involved and help somehow. So why don't you give a little pitch about how they can help and how they can get in touch? Yeah, so we would love you to reach out to us and you just just raise your hand and say, I want to be part of this. We don't know what that means. Maybe that's helping educate people in your community. Maybe it's things, resources that you can take to your public school or if you know the penitentiary system, the penal system and how to address that, people connected in that. You have people in colleges, universities, vulnerable populations. We're doing a great project in this USA Autism Homes uh, where we're regulating the autonomic nervous system. But things like that, we're not just saying, hey, we just need people to give money. That Actually, that's probably the last of the things is we need people who are raising up as a united force to say, hey, the emperor has no clothes here. <laughs> this is not working. Okay, and I've experienced that firsthand with a loved one who committed suicide or 
a child with depression or somebody with anxiety. And we want to be part of the solution. And I always say the bridge to change always starts with education. And so the more that we can educate people, this is foreign, this regulation of the autonomic nervous system, even to your physician, okay? You ask your physician, what's the exit strategy for the Prozac, for the Wellbutrin, for the Celexa, for the Ritalin? They won't have any idea. They say, exit strategy, what are you talking about? We're way more special than that and mysterious than that. We can get out of these things if we regulate the autonomic nervous system. Education is number one. And we just need to know, like, who wants to get on board? Who wants to be a part of this? And let's start brainstorming together. Let's figure out. There's things that we haven't even talked about today that somebody out there is saying, hey, guys, I know where we need to deploy this. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, I've been involved in a lot of startups, nonprofit startups, for-profit startups in my career. And, you know, one of the things that there's sort of a a mistake, like the, if you build it, they will come Mm -hmm. deal. It's kind of like, you know, everyone says, well, you know, if you build it, you will come. And you go, that's not always true. Like that, that came from a stupid baseball movie, (laughs) baseball ghosts, right? The, The reality is, is that money doesn't always produce solutions, uh, but investment follows solutions, Mm -hmm. right? Investment follows solutions. Investment is going to create them. And, and so the thing is, is that we want to get uh, on the solution side here. Big time. We want ideas. We want opportunities. And then we believe investment and contributions follow. And, you know, for those of you that that is your gift. Because, right, exactly. Right, some of the vocations and gifts people have are to produce resources and invest resources. And so that's not, you know, the primary purpose of this conversation is to make a pitch for, for investment. But of course, there are going to be people out there who say, I want to get behind this. So basically, we're trying to, as you say, assemble an army and an army of hope that wants to deploy the inner armor system. And we're calling this autonomic priming a a sort of modest proposal to address the tsunami because it's going to take a multifaceted, all-hands-on-deck approach in this country to address something of this magnitude. And we're not going to pretend that this is a magic bullet. But, right, we can be part of the solution. And if, as you say, if we can, we can help knock the wave down a little bit, if we can help it uh, protect certain populations, help certain people, uh, we can be part of that solution. Because if we don't do something, we're looking at America having half of America being mentally ill. Right. And how, how, does this, how, does our, how does our country, how does our economy, how do our institutions, how does our culture survive if, if we don't start innovating and addressing it? Absolutely. We need to be part of the solution. And if we're not doing anything, we're kind of part of the problem. Is we're just assuming these things are all working. They're not working. Okay. And if you're not sure about that, listen to the last few podcasts and you understand these systems are not working to address this thing. And when it's one in five, start to think about just five people in your life. Five, whether it's family members, friends, people at church, people at school, whatever. Five people, one in five of those are going to have a mental illness. That's just not just a number on a piece of paper, like a significant mental illness. And let's stop it, right? We might not be able to see it eradicated here on the planet, but that's what we're going after. That's my moonshot is yeah. to go after it. So if you're out there listening and you're getting excited about this, reach out, reach out to us through the Inner Armor website, through the Royer Neuroscience website. If you know us, if you know Doc, you know any of us, reach out and, and more information will be forthcoming in the, in the months ahead as we're kind of 
working on this behind the scenes. Yeah, and I would add, I mean, this is such a you know thing that I'm passionate about and trying to raise up these people. If you want to email, email me at doc, doc at royerneuroscience.com, uh, I would love to hear from you. Doc at royerneuroscience.com. Fantastic. Okay, well, inner armor hope and stay tuned. There'll be more to share about it, I'm sure, in the months ahead. And also, we've got a new book coming out about it, and that's going to be exciting. So maybe by the time you listen to this or have listened to this, the book will be, will be available. Awesome. All right. Let's great. go. Thanks. This has been the Inner Armor Podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Would you please follow or subscribe and make sure to leave us a review or comment? You can learn more about Inner Armor, Dr. Royer, and how to perform at your potential by going to forgeinnerarmor.com.